We're so glad you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story with us at pastor at relevant316.com. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at relevant316.com. There you can select a giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story, and it's a true story. And if, you, and if you're over the age of probably 30 and lived in Southern California, you may remember this story. It says, Larry's boyhood dream was to fly. But fate conspired to keep him from his dream. He joined the Air Force, but his poor eyesight disqualified him from the job of being a pilot. After he was discharged from the military, he sat in his backyard watching jets fly by. So he hatched a weather balloon scheme while sitting in his extremely comfortable Sears lawn chair. He purchased 45 weather balloons from an Army-Navy surplus store, tied them and tethered it to his lawn chair, and he dubbed his lawn chair the Inspiration One, and filled the four-foot diameter balloons with helium. Then armed with some sandwiches, Miller Light, and a pellet gun, he strapped himself into the lawn chair, figuring he would shoot to pop a few many a few of the many balloons when it was time to descend. Larry planned to serve, to sever the anchor and lazily float to the height of about 30 feet above his backyard where he would enjoy a few hours of flight before coming back down. But things didn't work out for him like that. When his friends cut the cord anchored to his lawn chair from his jeep, he didn't float up to 30. Instead, he streaked in the L.A. sky as if shot from a cannon. Pulled up by the 45 helium balloons holding 33 cubic feet of helium in each, he didn't level off at 100 feet, nor did he level off at 1,000 feet. After climbing and climbing, he leveled off at 16,000 feet. At that height, he felt he couldn't risk shooting any of the balloons lest he unbalance the load and find himself in worse trouble. So he stayed there, cold, frightened with his beer and sandwiches for more than 14 hours. He crossed the primary approach corridor to the LAX airport where TWA and Delta Airline pilots radioed in the reports of the strange sight. Eventually, he gathered enough nerve to shoot a few balloons and slowly descended. The hanging tethers tangled in the ca- and got caught in a power line blacking out Long Beach for almost 20 minutes. Larry climbed to safety where he was abruptly arrested by the waiting members of LAPD. And as he was led away in handcuffs, a reporter dispatched to cover the daring rescue asked him why he had done it. And Larry replied nonchalantly, a man just can't sit around. And I tell you that story because what's been convicting me, I'm just going to throw this here. Uh, What's been convicting me is that the church, I think, has gotten comfortable in its complacency and we're just sitting around. Jesus said in John 14, 12, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Did you catch that church? 
Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you are going to receive the power of God and you are going to do even greater things than I have done on this earth. We have the power of God sitting within us in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit and we choose to sit around. So what do we do? We've all read the amazing things that Jesus has done. But as a church, we only choose to tap into a fraction of the power that has been given us by Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. I have a question. I have a challenge for you today. And it broke my heart. I did a sermon about three months ago. And this is where my conviction came from. I did a sermon illustration. What if in this container was the cure for cancer? Work with me. Walk with me through this. The cost is virtually nothing. The supply is endless. What are we going to do with this? If I gave everybody, and it only took a small amount to cure any kind of cancer, what would we do when we left this church? We would take this and we would scream from the streets. We would yell from the mountaintops. We would post on social media that if you have cancer, we've got the cure. There would be nobody that we wouldn't approach. We would approach strangers in grocery stores. We would approach people on the streets. We would go into places that we wouldn't normally go to. And we said, if you have cancer, I've got the cure. Then I proceeded to tell this church. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the antidote for eternal damnation. We have the antidote for eternal separation from God. In the blood of Jesus Christ, once you experience the blood of Jesus Christ, you will be in heaven forever with Him. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Because when I leave this earth, guess what everybody? I'm going to be face to face with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I live my whole life with one purpose. And that's, so Jesus gives me a hug and says, well done my good and faithful servant. He can keep his mansion. He can keep his crown. He can keep the streets of gold. I'll live in the gutter of heaven. As long as I know that what I did on this earth, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is proud of me. But the problem is this. As the church, we have the antidote to save somebody from eternal damnation and we sit around and we don't scream anything. We know family members, we know friends, we know strangers that if the world were to end today or if they were to die today, that they would not be in heaven face to face with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the church is doing virtually nothing. We tap into a fraction of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and God is telling us we will do greater things and here we sit. And that was the end of the, the, the example. And I drove around, I, I do a lot of traveling for work. Um, I'm a sales manager for a big tire company in the Midwest. And, I, and, and, 
I'm driving, and in my spirit, I kept on hearing the word, why? 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 And I'm like, God, is this you asking me why? What are you asking me why for? What? Why what? And then I thought of this example. Why is the church not screaming from the mountaintops that they have the antidote for living forever in heaven? Is it fear? And if it's fear, fear of what? Being reviled? Being hated? Being labeled? Being crushed? Being killed? Hang on to the promises of God, folks. You know, everybody talks about God's promises. You know, that He'll provide. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm, not, I'm not making fun of those things, but we have a lot of promises from God that He'll provide. That He wants us to prosper. That He'll never leave us or forsake us. These are all promises that I hold dear in my heart. But guess what? In Matthew, or I'm sorry, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, If the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. A promise of God. When you love Jesus, guess what? There are going to be people in this world that hate you. That feel convicted that you have the gift of eternal life and it's going to cause them to change and they're not going to have any fun. I tell you what, when I found my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I have more fun now than I ever have. God filled me with a joy that is beyond the happiness that this world can give. Is it our faith? If you don't like it, don't say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Pastor Jonathan says it all the time. But is it our faith? As, a, as adults, have we overthought things in our life that as God has called us to do, and disregarded the childlike faith that we should look at those situations for. Sometimes childlike faith is exactly what we need as adults because guess what? We overthink and we overquestion and we want too much information and we won't step in faith. When that person is crying and you can and you can hear the desperation in their voice while they're on the phone while you're in the grocery store and you just can't turn around and go, "How can I pray for you?" Oh no, we can't do that. Why? Because we might be thought of as freaks. Or, why are you getting all up in my business? Or, or I don't need you to do that. So our fear keeps us from doing what God has called us to do in faith. So is it our fear? Is it our faith? Or is it our focus? Do we focus too much on the things of this world and not enough on the things of the kingdom? Jesus didn't say sit. He said go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them everything I taught you. He didn't tell us to sit. He told us to go. Now your go might not be to South Dakota. Mine was. And if I wasn't a part of this church body and if I didn't have the people around me that built me up and encouraged me and walked with me through that journey, I would have never taken that step. But I packed up my family with no job and just a place to stay in my in-law's basement and I just stepped. And I've seen God provide opportunity 
for finances. We all got jobs. God's provided. So today we're going to look at the account of Peter walking on water. A 10 verse story with massive lessons in it. So turn with me if you have your Bible. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 and starting at verse 22. It said, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of them onto the other side. While he, dismissed, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already considered at, at Excuse me, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. But the waves, but because of the waves and the winds were against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on water. When the disciples saw them walking, walking on the lake, they were terrified. Is it a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And Jesus said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter, Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, You of little faith, why do you doubt? Can I pray for you? Father God, as we go into your word, Lord, I just pray that, that you open our hearts to what you have for us. And Lord, I want these to be your words. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if these words are my words, I pray that you protect these people from those. That they only hear your words and that they are, that they are moved to move in faith for you and everything that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see that God is truly God. But in the presence of his disciples as he comes walking out on the water, they get scared. They've been seeing Jesus do all kinds of miracles. All kinds of miracles throughout their time with him. The fact that he came walking on water should not shock these guys. But what was interesting is what Jesus said. Jesus said, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. See, it takes courage to overcome fear. Fear will never leave. But in order to walk in faith, you have to overcome that. And, and what's cool is Jesus didn't say, have courage. He didn't say, be courageous. He said, take courage. If you ask for it, God will give it to you. If you ask Jesus for the boldness to say something to somebody at work because you know that they need Jesus in their life, take that courage from Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the power of God. You are, you are designed by God to do greater things than He because we are His people. And we are called to do His work here on earth. He has chosen broken vessels like me and you to do the things that he had did in perfection. Grab hold of that, guys. It's absolutely amazing that God would choose a, a, a person like me. I'm not a perfect pastor. 
You know, you guys just went through the series, you know, I love Jesus but I cuss a little. And Jonathan and, and Scott make it a very huge point to be very transparent and that pastors should be real. Guess what? I mess up. I don't treat my wife the way I should sometimes. I, I, I cause my kids to be exasperated. Then the, and and the, the Bible says don't make your kids like that. Sometimes I have lustful thoughts. Sometimes I swear. Not too often, but sometimes. But it's not the things that I do, it's the things that Jesus did. I'm just a broken vessel here to do what God has called me to do. You have to find out what Jesus has called you to do, but you've got to do it in faith. So if you're taking notes, i got some notes going on. Um, we talk about why we don't shout the gospel from the mountaintops. Um, sometimes it's because we're afraid. And I'm here to tell you today that your faith has to be bigger than your fears. So we go on with the story and Peter asks a question that, that I never thought he would ask. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Man, Peter's bold. <laughs> He's not afraid of anything. And he puts his foot in his mouth way too much. But if, if I was a disciple 2,000 years ago, me and Peter would be buds because I like putting my foot in my mouth and I would do stupid things like this. Um, and he's, but what's, what's, what's amazing about Peter and why we struggle to do things that God has called us to do is because we want to see the plan. We want to know the how and the when and the why. Peter just said, is it you? All Peter wanted to know was the who. He didn't care about the why or the how or the when. He just said, if it's you. Jesus says, it's me. He says, I'm coming out. When you focus on the who, you can do whatever you want. If you want to be bold for Jesus, remember who the who is. Remember who the one that died for you and called you by name. When he hung on the cross, he said, Matt, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing And he knew your name on the cross. And as he bled, he didn't focus on the pain. He focused on the people that would come to him and have eternal salvation. He would fill the empty holes in our hearts and that's what we need to grab hold of is the who. So Jesus t tested Peter. said, okay. It's me. Come. <laughs> he didn't say go on the left side of the boat because there's big rocks there and it'll make you look like you're walking on water. He didn't say, by the power of my Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you walk on water. He didn't give him any instructions. He didn't tell him what side of the boat to come out of. He didn't tell him anything. He said, you know it's me. Come on. How many times in your prayer life do you hear Jesus going, come on? And you go, I'm not going to. No. Because church, remember this. People go, oh, Bob, you stepped out in faith. Look, I'm just being obedient. It's not, it's not me. It's Christ who is in me. But I know a lot of people that have stepped out in faith. But remember this. There were 12 guys in the boat and only one went out. 
If we want to be the church that will affect things for eternity, there's got to be more than one out of 12 getting out of the boat and stepping in faith. There's got to be more. There's, you know, you have John, and, and if you read the book of John, he always refers to him as the one who Jesus loved. He never mentions himself by name. Guess who the one where, who Jesus loved was? In the boat. That's where he was. He was in the boat. It's not saying that, that we're not loved in the boat, but Jesus said, come. He calls us out. He calls us to do what, he's, what we've been called to do. And it might be serving in the kids' ministry. It might be talking to, to people at the homeless shelter. I don't know what it is for you guys, but I can guarantee this. If in your prayer life you go, Lord, show me what you want me to do, I can guarantee 100% He will show you. If you are true and if you are, if you are transparent and if you are willing to really find out what Jesus wants you to do, but we sit in our rooms and we pray shallow prayers, if I could be so bold, because we're afraid that he's going to send us to South Dakota where it's cold. <laughs> so if we pray shallow prayers, he doesn't answer deep. He answers shallow. So often... We don't get out of the boat because we want to know where the rocks are. We want to know, okay, Lord, if you're calling me to do this, how is it supposed to get done? Write this one down for me. Sometimes you have to step out in faith in order to see God's faithfulness. So often we want to see God be faithful to us and go, if you're faithful to me and you show me how you're going to pay for all this, you're going to show me the exact location in which you want me to do this. You show me those things and I'll step out in faith. Let me ask you this, church. Is it really faith if you know all the answers? Is it really faith if you know every step? The great and late Dr. Martin Luther King said this, Faith is taking the first step when you can't see the whole staircase. But no, no, no. We want God to put the big floodlight right on the staircase. We want to know if there's a car there that we're going to slip on, or some marbles, or if there's glass that we're going to cut ourselves on, or like that idiot in Home Alone, he steps on that nail. We want to know all that. Because we don't want to be hurt in the process. What we want is we want the product without the process. We want God to call us somewhere and we go, Okay, Lord, I want you to go from A to Z, but I don't want all the other letters of the alphabet. I don't want to go through the process. I just want the product. But what we don't understand is through that process, we learn stuff. Peter learned stuff because he did. He got out of the boat. Didn't ask Jesus, kept on walking. But don't brush over verse 29. He walked on the water and came towards Jesus. We're kind of diva Christians sometimes. Can I be real? We want Jesus to come to us. We want to see a miracle in our life, but we won't get out of the boat and walk towards him. We go, okay, Lord, I'll get out of the boat. And if I stand and don't sink, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to wait for you to come to me. Please, Jesus, come to me. I don't want to take a step. Jesus ain't like that. He said, come. He said, step out in faith and start to walk towards me and you will see. But see, then the next thing, 
whew, I need to do some exercising. <laughs> I've been gone for a year and a half, and my, and my Sunday morning exercises in the back of the church, jumping and dancing, whew, I'm out of shape. So he walked towards him. But in verse 30 he said, But when he saw the wind and he was afraid, he began to sink and cry out, Lord, save me. The third thing I want you to learn is when we take our eyes off of Jesus, the fear of the world will destroy our faith. The fear of the world. When When you come to a place where you can keep your eyes on Jesus... You need to walk in faith with tunnel vision, folks. Because when Jesus is your focal point, the winds and the waves of the world don't mean jack. You are walking towards the Savior of the entire world. The God who left his throne on high, came down as a baby, lived a life, and then died so you didn't have to. You stay focused on him, everything else will fall into place. Because guess what? When you start to walk in faith, which I have learned over the last year and a half, the enemy will attack you. The enemy will grow the waves larger and he will blow the wind harder in order to get you to focus on that instead of on the one that called you out of the boat. And I tell you what, I've sank a bunch of times in the last year and a half because all I sat there is did is whine and cry to my wife. Oh, this isn't working. Oh, this isn't working. Oh, he's not providing here. I took my eyes off of Jesus. And of course, my wife, who's my champion and, and my love, and I wish she was here, said, it's just the enemy. You need to refocus. Peter needed to refocus, but the thing is, when we when and, and and an encouragement, when we take our eyes off and we and we start to sink, what's the first thing Jesus did? He picked him up. He didn't let him drown. You step out in faith, you're not going to drown in the waters of the world. You still have a Savior that will save you. Today is Superhero Day, and I, I got the word about, like, I don't know, two weeks ago that it was going to be Superhero Day. And it's all about perspective. So is it about our fear, our fear, our faith, or our perspective? So we're going to bring up some images of superheroes. Iron Man, who likes Iron Man? Come on. Come on, church. Bring up the next one. That's Superman and Batman. Superman. Okay. Batman is is the greatest superhero. Just preaching the truth. Our ladies. I was doing this and I go, if I don't put her up, the women in this church would just kill me. The Hulk. The Hulk's just bad. I I just want to be the Hulk just so I can crush things and walk around with my shirt off. Anyway. So, don't, don't turn it yet, Andrew. Everybody has a different perspective of who their superhero is. But can, can, can I be so bold to ask, do you have a different perspective of who Jesus is? Bring up the first one, Andrew. 
Is your perspective of Jesus, the baby in the manger, meek and mild, came down? I love the, the Christmas song, and it's coming up. So look up the song, Winter Snow. It talks about Jesus coming down soft and quiet. So is your Jesus the one that you're following? That Jesus, the baby in the manger. Next one. Is your Jesus the, the, the Jesus that has doves all around him and holding a lamb, and he's just so quiet and meek and mild? Or is this Jesus? Next one. Is it the Jesus that died on the cross? Is it the Jesus that bloodied himself so you could live forever? Is it, is it, is it the Jesus that, spread, that, that shed his blood so you could be saved for all eternity? And I'm not saying any of these three perspectives of Jesus is a bad thing. But let me tell you something about this Jesus. This Jesus came down off of the cross. And this Jesus was buried, guess what? In a rented tomb. Do you know why? Because he only booked for two nights. Because after two days, Jesus rose from the dead and, and ascended 40 days after. And let me tell you, my, my life group, because my life group is mean to me, said, hey, Pastor Bobby, why don't we go through the book of Revelations in life group? And I'm like, all right. So we started reading the book of Revelations. Let me tell you, all these Jesuses are, are part of his life. He came down, and he was meek and mild, and he did miracles, and he did all these things, and then he died on the cross, and then he raised again. But when he ascended, when he ascended, he brought... John shortly after and he says guess what I want you to write down everything you see and in Revelation chapter 1 I'm going to tell you the superhero I know I'm following I'll tell you the superhero that I am willing to step out in faith for in, in Revelation chapter 1 Whew. I just lost my place I'm just being real I got to go to my notes Scott, have you ever done that? No, Scott's a professional. <laughs> Verses 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned around, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and a golden sash around his chest. On his head and hair were white like wool white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fires and his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing water and in his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance and when I saw him I fell at his feet as though I were dead the, the, the Jesus that now I love all these Jesus but the Jesus that makes me take the step forward is the Jesus that has a sword coming out of his mouth that he is ready to kick some butt at the given time because he's coming back and he's coming back to, to, to calm the winds and the waves of this world and Satan will have no say in our eternity that's the Jesus I want you to remember. So don't think of the Jesus meek and mild. Think of the Jesus with flames in his eyes. 
Because that's the warrior Jesus that wants to fight for you in the things that you are getting crushed by in your life. That's the Jesus that wants to come alongside of you and go, Satan has no rule in your life because you are my child. Is it your fear? Is it your faith? Is it your focus? Or is it your perception that the Jesus that lives and reigns and rules on high doesn't love you enough to fight for you? I'm here to tell you he is. And if you came into this building today and you had an empty feeling and you go, I don't know where this empty feeling it is, but I can't fill it with anything. I'm here to tell you that that is designed by God himself for you to desire a relationship with him. Jesus wants to come. He wants to be a part of your life. Have you ever seen that picture? And I don't think I... Did I do it? Switch? Oh, there's my Jesus. Just saying... But have you ever seen the picture of the Jesus that was done and he's knocking on the door? That comes out of Revelations. I stand in the door and knock. And if you open it, I will come and I'll dine with you. If, take a look at that picture. Google image that picture when you get home. And notice that there's no handle on the outside of that door. Because Jesus is a gentleman, folks. He's not going to kick down the door of your life. That door is, has one handle and it's on the inside. But if you open that door, he'll come in and have dinner with you. And that's a Bible reference to the old times. You only sat and dined with your closest friends. Jesus wants you to open the door of your life to him. And he wants to come and he wants to be your friend. And he wants to fight for you. And then he's going to ask you to step in faith and do some amazing things for him. Impacting you and impacting others for his kingdom. I honestly believe, and I've said this a million times, that we're going to have a campfire in heaven. We're going, to, we're going to all be sharing stories and stuff like that. And there's going to be somebody that will come up to you and go, you know what? You don't remember me. But you turn around at a grocery store for me, and you just said, I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus loves you, and I'm going to be praying for you. And that person got curious about Jesus and they came to a church similar to this and they heard the gospel message and they gave their life to Jesus. But if you never turned around and stepped out in faith and were bold for Jesus, you would have never prayed for them and they might not be there. But for me, I'm not going to take the chance. I'm going to heaven. And I, don't, I mean that very humbly. But my goal is to take as many people with me as I possibly can. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Relevant Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat.